It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve of the NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And I've got Miel Brits and Grits in the studio again. It's it's Miel Buddy, Miel Pal Packer, Pete, um, IT Hedgehog. Is that going to change, Pete? Are we convinced I, I, yet? I, I don't know. It's possibly t- time to change it, Steve. But. Uh... We'll see. Are you just scared that if you change it to Packer Pete, that your Twitter handle and social media presence will go the way of the Packers and it'll be pretty grim? <laughs> Is that why you're sticking well, the IT it, thing? It, it can't be that bad, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, look at us with the negativity straight away, Pete. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Right, we're going well, to try to... Alter- the... Alternatively, of course, if I change it, that might be the galvanizing moment. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers just sitting there going, Pete, change it, buddy. I need Pete. you to change this. Uh, it's it's like Facebook, you know, when they had those things like, you know, like this another 10 times and a doctor saves a little girl in Rwanda. You know, it's kind of something similar that, you know, something that's completely seemingly unconnected actually all connects in some way, which actually in a weird way has come through because Aaron Rodgers does this retweet for good thing and um, to earn money. So that's actually a real life. Uh, that's the first example, Pete, that I've seen with a real life thing that if you retweet this, something good will actually happen. Yeah. Yep. Now, may I be cynical and just kick this over to you and then you can sort of brush it off and give the political answer if you want. But is it not a bit scabby for companies to be doing this type of lark? I mean, it's brilliant that they're helping out, but why do we have to retweet their stuff for this to... You know, why is there sort of a contract to, to give money? Why did they just go, Aaron, we'll mass <laughs> your one million? Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? It's the... It's the um... It's the 21st century, Steve. It's the way. It's the way of the world. And as I think, um, as I think you were talking about earlier on 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 Twitter, wouldn't life have been interesting if we had social media back in the 1980s? Oh God, I, I reckon that would be why Twitter would be no more. I think people would just be so depressed <laughs> that they're just going to be like, can't do it. No, 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 no. Because that's the thing is that everyone has a hot take out there. Um, but and we've got a lot of them. There's an awful lot of really crazy stuff out there. But I guess we cannot get away from the negativity to a degree, Pete, can't we? But what I will say, and I'll preface this, because I'm going to lead in with a couple of sort of just general points, aimlessly, right, as if I'm just, you know, shooting in the dark here. Um, and then I guess we'll talk about the fact that, look, we have to win out. Aaron Rodgers was even kind of taking the piss, Um uh, in the press conference, wasn't he? When he said, we have to beat Arizona, then we have to beat the Bears, then we've got to beat this and beat that. You know, yep. and it's kind of smirking through it all because he's kind of thinking, Jesus Christ, we're really, you know, up against it now. And we totally are. We have to win out. And then even if we win out, obviously, um, you know, because I think all the second-seeded teams uh, are up around six wins now. So it's yep. definitely not a foregone conclusion and people can trade blows. Like the Vikings, for instance, are off to New England, I believe, uh, next week and all the rest. But anyway, so we have to win out. We're in playoff mode. And I've been saying that for the last couple of podcasts. Here's a couple of things to note. Um, the strength of schedule for the Packers is the easiest tied with the Rams uh, on, down the home stretch. So theoretically, we have the best chance of, and I hate the term, running the table. And God knows what else people are going to take from beat these, beat that, beat the other. I have a skip planned. I don't know if it's going to make it onto the podcast tonight, depending on what me, me and you have a chin mag here, Pete. Uh, Devontae Adams, uh, first Packers player to reach double-digit TDs in a season since Sterling Sharp. Big kudos to that. Well, um, any any time you're mentioned in the same sentence as Sterling, as Sterling Sharp when it comes to receivers, that's a pretty good place to be. Absolutely, yeah. And he made it onto our all-time team, even though you know he had a pretty premature ending to yep. 
um, his career. And then we cannot get away from this game, and I think it needs to be prefaced with the amount of injuries that we had. ESB, um, elbow injury out of the game in the second half. Bakhtiari, that was massive. Uh, the knee injury, he's out and potentially out for a couple of weeks, if not the rest of the season. Uh, they don't really know. There's non-padded practice this week. Anyway, it's scheduled, um, so they'll all be sort of going around with you know pillow fighting and stuff, so we'll see how that pans out. Trevor Davis, who... And this is not based on anything but sort of, I don't know, my ignorance looking at the game. Trevor Davis, when he got the ball on returns, looked dangerous. He didn't particularly do anything, but I thought he looked lively. Uh, he's out, He was out with a hamstring in the second half. And then Lane Taylor was out in the first half. And then Kentrell Bryce uh, busted his ankle in the first quarter, came back to play and then got smoked um, yeah. on a really bad looking tackle. Uh, who was that? That was a running back, uh, Minnesota. Um, Dalvin Cook. Uh, so he got smacked by him. Dalvin Cook got up and started yelling at him too, like yeah, yeah, take that. And I was kind of thinking, oh, actually, he's out cold, so that's probably not going to work. So Peter, um, with all of that said, easy schedule on the run. Devontae Adams doing okay, and the dumper load of injuries. Have you anything else to add to the general notes column of this game? No, other than you know, just talk very briefly about that the the schedule of games to come. I think that I, I would expect the Packers to win four of four of those five games with, Mm. with, with clearly the most difficult one going, going to the bears. Now, traditionally over the last 20, 25 years, the Packers have a really good record against the bears, but not very often if they come up against a bears team that appears to be as good as it is this season. So that, so that would be the one that um, would be the asterisk against those five, if you were to pick one, but, but, um, like Aaron says, you've got to play one at a time, beat the Cardinals, beat the Falcons, which is with the Falcons is never an easy game, even no. though, even though you're getting them up in Green Bay in December, um, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Sanu, Calvin Ridley, that's, that's, a, that's an offense to be reckoned with. Um, and like you say, you know, just talked about our injuries to the point where I was expecting my phone to ring at about three o'clock this morning <laughs> saying I was needed to play cornerback for the fourth quarter. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so they've got, they've got a shot at, 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 at running the table and I'm probably not quite actually as down on last night's performances as some people are. Yeah. And we, we will get into that because we sort of made a point of it in pre-production not to talk too much about our hot takes. So we're going to bang some hot takes. And I, I, fear, I fear as well, uh, Pete, that I've really missed out on a joke here. I was going to hit on the whole Matty Ice thing coming to Lambo in December. It's too late now. Too late. Um, so I guess what, what we can do is, is sort of, I don't know, because one thing that we did discuss is kind of our you know preparation method uh, to looking at this game. And I think both of us had kind of a similar uh, method of going into the game watching it multiple times, digging into each, uh, you know, sort of offensive, defensive and see, yeah. see what's going on and try, you know, really extract the nuts and bolts. Because last week, um, and I almost, this, this is the crazy thing, last week I sort of took a different structure, went through the defensive and offensive uh, plays to try highlight some points. So, I don't know, like, I don't really want to take that tack again uh, this time. We can sort of, you know, just rush through some of the stuff that we like. So certainly from, from the off, and this is something that we did discuss, was... In the you know outside the first quarter, offensively there wasn't a whole lot that uh, the Packers had to hang their hat on, you yeah. know, and they, they mostly for me any from what I saw, they involved Aaron Rodgers with some like really incredible throws. Uh, we saw Equinemia St. Brown coming into it a good bit and in, in long completions, and um, the throw to Devontae Adams, 
might be steamed by some people as actually a pretty poor throw and then Vaughty Adams had to correct and carry that in. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, and then, of course, the um, the Aaron Jones touchdown, yep. which uh, Bakhtiari swung out and actually had no one to block. So that looked like good play design. So as much as we like to dog Mike McCarthy, there seems to be some good play design in this. Now, whether we're just sort of recycling the same stuff that we know that works and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, I don't know. Um, but certainly the narrative out there uh, Pete is that Mike McCarthy is just the worst play caller of all time. <laughs> now, from from studying this game, I'm going from the whole way through. Like, do you think that his play calls are aged? Do you think that it's the players not paying attention to him, or are other teams just putting in a good defensive performance? So, so, so I think I think there's I think there's a whole mix. Uh, I think there's a whole mixture of things here. Mm. Um, traditionally, McCarthy's McCarthy's offensive scheme has been based around one-on-one matchups and you know getting the receivers to beat their guy and get and get and getting the ball to them um so 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 his his scheme hasn't traditionally been around we're going to scheme people open yeah it's been about one-on-one matchups which i guess if you look back and people have reminded me of this and it's a really good point if you look back to kind of 2010 2011 when that receiving core was Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Jermichael Finley, James Jones, Donald Driver, Uncle Tom Cobbley, and all, you know that 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 that's a receive, receiving core that's, you know, in re, certainly in recent Packers history is second to none. Um, and so it's a lot easier, obviously, for for McCarthy's scheme, I think, to work with those with those guys. Um, I think it's difficult to ask a leopard to change it to change its spots everybody everybody has to progress and i think that's the the big question mark over over mccarthy and you have to ask yourself whether whether in hindsight and nobody was saying this at the time whether bringing joe philbin back Mm. you know so he was there 2010 2011 etc when the offense was at its most potent whether bringing joe uh uh, Joe Philbin back has has actually um, regressed the the offense. I don't know the answer to that question, but it but it's but it's kind of one that it does make you think. Having said all of that, there's still some very clever stuff in McCarthy's offense, and we saw it in the first half. And it's it's difficult to work out what then happened in in the second half, and and this seems to be quite a pattern. In it's certainly in recent weeks, when you look at you know the New England game, the Rams game, the Seattle game, all of the recent devastating defeats, if you like, mm. um, seem to have a pattern where offensively the Packers have played well for a half or maybe even even three quarters, and sometimes even even longer than that, but but definitely for a half. And for some reason, in the second half, something happens whether whether the other team is is making you know half half time adjustments or what it is some something's happening what i'm also seeing um is rogers mechanics look very poor um and the more pressure he gets under the worse his mechanics get so i think that's also happening as 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 games go on so some of those throws I mean, there's, there's at least two missed touchdown passes to to Devonte Adams last night, which I'm not saying they were sure on 
touchdowns and, and you'd have to be one of the better quarterbacks to make those throws. But I guess we've become used to Rodgers being able to make those throws. And and his his mechanics, this throwing off the back foot thing, um, almost um, lobbing it up and praying that somebody gets underneath it on some of those long throws is is not good. Yeah. It's it's incredible to see, especially at the very end of the game when there was that show to that throw. I think it was the MVS where, um, and a p- couple of people have put it out because there there's a few sort of I see the pockets forming. It's like the American um, political election. You know, there's always these pockets for oh, her emails. You know, <laughs> and I find the the Packer equivalent to her emails is Aaron Rodgers is the problem. He sucks, right? And then any type of bad throw that he makes. Uh, you know, it's just papered all over social media, like, see, yep. told you. Now, it's yep. exactly as you say, the mechanics are poor when he gets pre I found, and I, I struggled, and I got it at the very end uh, of my notes, but I struggled to find um, a play where, well, I struggled to find any pass rush that we had first off. But when we did get it, and uh, the amount of times that I wrote, Clay almost gets sacked. Clay, good spin move, almost gets yep. the sack, but never yep. did, right? So it's kind of like we're getting to him. It looked pretty good, and it looked like we're getting pressure but then we didn't um, and then you know but back to my point I guess I can't really remember too many times that Kirk Cousins was forced to just throw it into nothing and just bang it into yep. the ground or just try you know banging into double covers now he did do that on, on one or two occasions and it seems it depends it's amazing what can work out for people there was one instance where he throws it Josh Jones jumps up tips the ball Kyle Rudolph comes down with it now Kyle Rudolph has been anonymous all season and as I <laughs> yeah. said in the sort of build up pod uh, you know the only thing even the Vikings.com crowd the only time that they ever mentioned him is it's like look he's played loads of games all at once <laughs> it's kind of like oh wow he gets a participation medal so like he was crap and then he comes into this game and does well. Dalvin Cook couldn't get a run and comes into this game and does pretty well. Um, so I can't remember, but Aaron Rodgers seems to be doing that now that he sort of, he gets pressured. He was always the most accurate and he's just leathering the ball into the ground. Now, I didn't get a chance to go in and look at the coach's film. I don't, actually, to be honest, I don't even think it's available yet. Um, yeah on Game Pass, but I didn't get a chance to go in and look at those and see if anybody was open. I did jot down one really obvious one that Aaron Jones was again open in the flat, but Aaron Rodgers decides, as he did a couple of times in this game, Pete, which really annoyed me, was is take the sack on third down. I'm kind of yeah. thinking, you know, like I know protect the football and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, he's, he's absorbing an awful lot of that pressure and just going down under pressure instead of rolling out. So it's, it's interesting because... If you go back to pre-2010, so, you, so if you look at Rodgers, particularly in his first year as a starter, 2008 and 2009, he took a lot of sacks. Yeah. So so he didn't throw the ball up for grabs, but he did take a lot of sacks. And it's almost as though, I don't want to say he's regressed to that. The offense as a whole has regressed to that to that situation so so where people are complaining about the offense regressing if you like from that perspective I can I can see that I think it's really difficult because we've been spoiled from about 2010 to say 2014-15 where Rodgers have been able to make plays that other other quarterbacks wouldn't be able to make and and a lot of those plays have, have been made from him hanging on to the ball escaping out to the right or left and, you know, making what what looks like an unbelievable pass. So we've been kind of, kind of spoilt with that. And some of it may be McCarthy's offense. Some of it may simply be that Rogers is beginning to break down physically. So his, his ability to escape isn't quite there. His mechanics 
and not quite as they were. And that's not to say, though, I'm delving quite deep here, but that's but that's not to say that some of those things aren't recoverable. Yeah. Right. It may well be that the shoulder injury that he had last year, coupled with the knee injury that he had, you know, in week one of this season, um, are still having an impact. And and it may and it may well be it kind of is what it is right now. And a year from now, we might be looking at this situation completely differently. Or we could look back on this. In, I hate to say this. We could look, look back on this in three years time and say, yeah, that was the moment that he began to get old. But 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 I'm not I haven't gone that far yet. I, I think I think we have to be a little bit more optimistic about that and, and, and say that because of his previous play and what he's done for all of us as Packers as Packers fans I think I think we have to afford him the opportunity to to actually work through this and come through it well I tell you what let me get my mystic Meg on or for (laughs) for want of uh for danger Brian and Brian Connie let me get my septic peg on um if anyone gets that reference kudos to you hit me up at stddnfl uh so I think the, the problem with the Packers is it's something that we've seen, and to me, it seems obvious, but as I said, I'm Irish, and what the hell do I know? For about two or three years ago, I'd said, even when we were you were rolling and we were doing well, like what you alluded to, right, is that he has so much time, so we, we sort of prided ourselves on having a good offensive line. That kept kind of breaking down. There was injuries every year, and we were shifting people up and down the line, and that's why we put sort of a premium on offensive linemen who could play multiple positions because we just simply couldn't uh, stay healthy. But by and large... Um, the problems were either, you know, that we got injured or number two, that we couldn't break up on running lanes. And then we got the likes of Eddie Lacey um, and he did pretty well because he was a bruising back and kind of created his own space to a degree. And we got used to maybe having a running game. But what we always focused on was pass protection. And what Aaron Rodgers, and I sort of said that his one of his best assets was actually a massive disadvantage to the team, and that's he holds onto the ball too long, and yeah. he waits for plays to break down. And that's predicated on having wide receivers that are intuitive enough and have played with him long enough, is to be able to make space and know what he wants. And I think what we saw happen was, is that is the opposite criticism than what people level at New England, is that Tom, Tom Brady is the system quarterback, and that you plug anybody in there, which they did do. Um, you know, when they had Jacoby Brissett, uh, when they had uh, Garopp- Jimmy Garoppolo, is that they could put these guys in, third stringers, and now I know Garoppolo's meant to be the second coming of Jesus Christ, I get that, right? But the fact that he's been losing games for the Niners earlier this season before he got knocked out with injury, so that kind of shows that the guy wasn't infallible, and what he was doing was kind of like, anyway, this is not the Jimmy Garoppolo podcast, I get it, I move <laughs> on. Uh, but it's just that, you know, what we suffered from when we had to put guys in, who weren't named Mafflin, um, is that, you know, they they struggled simply because no wide receivers were open. They weren't experienced enough to hold on to the ball so long. They were playing the plays as were called and it just wasn't working. So, what could, you know, when your offense is predicated on one guy being the linchpin and that once you pull him out, all the dominoes start to fall, I think that's what we're suffering from here. Um, yeah, and, and I think if you, if you couple that with looking at, you know, the receiving core that he's got, that we have is um you know doesn't have the depth let's say of an, of an atlanta or a or a rams or a um vikings or you know yeah it, it just doesn't have it and that's not a, not a criticism of any of the individuals it just is what it is you know um you know we haven't spent a first round draft pick on an offensive skill player since aaron Rodgers himself 
You know, that's that's 13 years ago. That's crazy. So, so, so at some point in time, particularly when you've gone through a phase of, and this is, you know, the, the philosophy of, of, of the way the ball club has been is not spending huge money on, on free agents, rightly or wrongly, that's, that's, what, that's what it's been. You know, at some point, you know, the pieces of the jigsaw simply aren't there. Yeah. You know, and, and I understand, we all understand the reasons that they felt the need to keep plugging defensive holes. You know, there's, there's a little bit about throwing good money after bad there, but, you know, we un- kind of understand the reasons. We may not agree with them, but we kind of understand the, the reasons. But but eventually that has to, that has to take a toll. Um, you know, just when was the last time we spent a first round draft pick on any offensive player? Brian Balaga, I believe, was the last one. How many years? That's eight years ago. So at some point, you know, you, 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 it must break down. Precisely that. And this, this is exactly the point, I think, is that when we try to pin down exactly what the reasons are, they're about tenfold. Now, yeah. I do believe that this is definitely recoverable because when I look at the likes of, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers and not having the chemistry, I really like what I'm seeing in of MVS. And there was yeah. videos going around today um, of... Um, Jesus Christ. You see, this is what happens when we stay up so late watching a goddamn game, right? It's just that everything breaks down, even my mind. Uh, Rob, Rob Ryan's brother, Rex Ryan. There Rex, we go. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Steve. I'm so glad. I'm going to leave this in, but just to show people what I do edit out from time to time. Um, so he was out saying that he doesn't have the offensive weapons. I look at Aaron Jones and I see how prolific he's been um, as a safety valve in the past game. Um, I look at Jimmy Graham who's having like he's just again he's kind of been anonymous this season but we've seen some big playability in this game despite the fact he's got a broken thumb um, I really like what I'm seeing out of MVS I really like what I'm seeing out of ESB and um, particularly the stuff that I learned today um, from all the great fans hitting up at UK Packers about him and his family and how smart he is and how many languages he speaks and that just makes me like to do it even more um, you know and then Randall Cobb people write him off every single year he's diminutive he plays a slot people don't value it the same as they did with Wes Welker and Danny Amendola and all these small diminutive players um, but he still gets the business done he's got some of the surest hands in the NFL ever he basically catches everything you throw at him so I think there is value there at a price I will say um, yep. so again I think it's salvageable because of what we have and how you solve the problem with Aaron Rodgers he comes back healthy he has he actually gets to practice because remember that's a problem here as well he hasn't got the practice now you might say yep. uh, quarterbacking is like riding a bike for him he's so good he's a hall of famer you know why does he need to practice dear Jesus Tom Brady you know used to pride himself on bringing in his quarterbacks coach and getting to work um, you know day in day out and, and honing his craft because he was smart enough to understand that if you don't work on your mechanics and you don't work on your chemistry with your wide receivers um, you know but then all can go to pot and that's what he's done but I guess to to dive in as well to be more specific to this game outside of all those questions <laughs> yeah. you know because uh, we're getting very philosophical here Pete <laughs> when I looked at the what happened in the second quarter because I know you alluded to it there about you know there's, there's sort of a sea change in between the first and the second um, half of this game is that when I look in the third quarter it's amazing and I, and I hope and I'm going to come on I don't want to be too smug here right and I will stop talking in two seconds but I will highlight on the second uh, seventh offensive possession exactly what I was saying about last week which might justify not going for it on fourth down <laughs> however again that comes in and I'd like you to talk about that maybe Pete after I stop waffling on here in a second okay um, is that the um, fourth down that we potentially should or shouldn't have done uh, but we kicked the field goal but anyway so at the end of the second quarter we start the third we're, we're now on the sixth offensive possession for the Packers after Jamal Williams comes in on the kick return uh, 
Aaron Jones, four-yard run. Uh, swing past Aaron Jones, he gets the first down. Jones runs again for five yards. Jones runs again for first down. Then there's a short pass to Adams for three yards. Then Aaron Rodgers gets pressured and it falls incomplete. And there's a third and seven. And then Rodgers tries this like deep pass that was massively inaccurate that we usually see Aaron Rodgers do. So again, for all the people cribbing and moaning about like, oh, use Aaron Jones. They did. It was Jones, 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 Adams. Adams and then that was it the play was over defense come on and um, they play some good stuff Farco gets a sack special teams get in Tremont Williams uh, uh, does pretty well and runs it back and takes a big tackle gets up and slap apps, slap asses with the guy who tackles him well which is always good to see that the guy tries to rip your face off that you can still be cordial um, it goes to show with experience the testosterone's going so 7th offensive stand and this is the last thing that I say and hopefully this proves that you don't always get what you wish for Aaron Jones uh, has a run of 5 yards then there's a dump pass off to Jones for three yards. That's eight yards gained. There's two yards left. Then they handed to Jones again and he stopped inches short. It's fourth down. It's halfway line. And what are Packer Nation saying? You have to go for it here. I can't believe this. So like basically you go for it here and you just get it. It's just that's maths. That's science. So they go for it. They give it to Jones and he gets plugged and stopped. Um, Harrison Smith makes an excellent tackle. And what now? This is me rambling again. And people are going to be like, Jesus Christ, let Peter speak. And I will. But this, this the whole thing here is that it's fourth and inches or it's fourth and two. And everyone says to go for it. What are you going to do? Mike McCarthy wants to go for the Hail Mary. What, what would he most likely do? Run the ball. He's been reading Twitter. He's obviously read all of the comments <laughs> underneath his press conferences, right? So he's decided I need to go for it here because that's what the fans want. So he's went and done it. And the Vikings are expecting a run. Harrison Smith gets in behind and stops the play. That's exactly what happens when you go for it on fourth down, especially in fourth and inches when they know it's going to be run play by and large. And even if it's a pass play, it's going to have to be a pretty uh, slick one because they're already in the backfield trying to stop the runner. And it doesn't work. And hopefully that highlights that you have a fourth down, you, uh, you want them to go for it. They do, and it can get easily stopped because fourth down's a pretty risky place. The Vikings picked up then... Um, at that stage, in, uh, at the Packers' 49-yard line, and they go down the field, and they make the field goal to make it 17-14. After they took the lead there, they never relinquished that lead. They go on to win the game. So, now, I'm not saying that's because they didn't get it on fourth down, but that'll kind of show we fed Jones on the sixth offensive possession. We made a good defensive stand. We came back out on the seventh defensive possession. We, we literally just went with Jones full stop. And we didn't make the fourth down. And then we went on to lose the game after that point, after they kicked the field goal. Now, Pete, I don't know if that's trying to shove it down people's throats. But it's, kind of, it's something <laughs> that really stood out to me that it's not as black and white as people like to say on Twitter. Yeah, uh, there's, there's so many aspects aspects to this. And um, I got embroiled in a number of Twitter conversations as this was going on oh. last night. And all kinds of different opinions are on on this so i'll try and describe where my where my head was and where it is where it is now the first thing that's kind of odd about this situation is that the packers had um a fourth down opportunity towards the end of the first half mm. so they were just over three minutes left in the first half and the packers were at fourth and four inside minnesota territory and that felt like if you were going to go for it that felt like kind of the place to go for it um, on the basis that you're, you, you're at the at the Vikings 40, 41 yard line. If you punt it into the end zone, it's coming back out to the 20 anyway. So it's one of those in-betweeny downs as it, as it was. And that kind of felt like if you were going to go for it, that was the situation in which to go for it. Yeah. 
And not having gone for it then and then getting to kind of midway through the, the third quarter, and you know, I believe the ball was just in, inside the Packers' the Packers' own half and fourth and fourth and inches. I've, I found – now, as, as, as those people that follow me on Twitter and get involved in social media conversations with me will know, I, I'm, I'm quite a defender of, of Mike McCarthy, generally speaking. So I lay, I lay my, my cards on the, on the table there. Hmm. Um, but the decision to go for it there was not one that I supported. I, I definitely wouldn't have gone for it in that situation, particularly not having previously gone for it towards the end of the, the, the second quarter. What then began to make the, make it all worse was we had the whole situation with the, with, with the play clock, where if you remember the play clock started when the ball wasn't reset for play, the clock started to run down and we ended up calling um, a timeout. Yeah. Um, and I want to get, you need to remind me, I want to get onto timeouts at some point. I meant to talk about it at the last pod, but I, I want to talk about it this <laughs> time because it's re- re- really one of my one of my bugbears. But we called a timeout and then having discussed it and whatever else, still decided to, to go for it. I didn't agree with the timeout. I didn't agree with the decision to go for it. And then there beca- there's a whole debate around the actual play that was the actual play that was called. And I've seen differing opin- differing opinions on this. And at the time, I didn't have too much of a problem with the, with the play call itself. On reflection, and I've been back and looked at that play a number of, a number of times, and it's quite unusual for me to, to start delving into the, into the X's and O's of a particular play, simply because actually, you know what? I'm not in the, in the Packers organization during the week. I don't know actually whose blocking assignment is who exactly the way that that plays meant, meant to run. But I, I didn't have too much of a problem with the play call at the time. I'm kind of split 50, 50 now. What I, what I'm not sure about is how much of the fact that the play failed was due to it being a bad play in inverted commas or how much of it was execution. So when you look at the play, there's some, there's some strange, strange stuff going on. It looked very much like that play was designed to go into the one hole between the centre and, 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 and the right guard. And, and yet all of the line blocking was to the left away from that, that one hole, which was, which was very odd. And in fact, there were two Minnesota Minnesota linemen blocked by three Packers on the left-hand side of the of of the line. Yeah. But on the right-hand side of the line, which was which was really strange to me, was that um, Devonte Adams was lined up in no man's land. Now he didn't make a block on on Harrison Smith, and as you say, Harrison Harrison Smith made the play from from behind that from behind in essence, or from the from the side of that play Adams was clearly designed to make that block now me being me I spent a little bit of time because I've got the as as lots of us do kind of got the tapes of all the games and and gone back and when they've been in the short yardage situations this season more often than not that's not Adams that's that's Equinemius St Brown yeah who's a six foot three six foot four receiver making that block 
So something was odd uh, in, in, in that play. The other thing that's, that's not great about that play is that Mercedes Lewis, so there were two tight ends lined up to the right side. Uh, Kendricks actually makes his block. Mercedes Lewis completely misses his block. And Daniil Hunter gets, gets pressure up the middle. And he actually makes the initial hit on Jones before Harrison tackles him from behind. I think that had Daniil Hunter not made that hit, I think Jones makes it. Um, because he only had inches to go, literally, literally inches. So the whole play was was very, very odd. And I don't know whether it was a play that ever ever could have worked or whether it was simply not executed correctly. Yeah, it, uh, that's the thing. And that's what we'll never know. And this is exactly what the... And again, like your detailed analysis of it still leaves questions because yeah. we quite simply don't know. But I certainly thought that for, for Harrison Smith to blow the play up... Now, I know you're saying about Daniel Hunter as well. Um, who let's face it, he's such a grizzly guy because his first name is actually Danielle. <laughs> Danielle, uh, yeah, indeed. But yeah, good old Danny, uh, Danielle. <laughs> um, so you know, but Harrison Smith coming around, he was, he was as you said, totally unblocked, comes around, is able to grab the legs, and he's actually up off the ground, running away, screaming in delight uh, before the anyone realizes who made the tackle. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's some Vikings players that believed it was a ghost um, because <laughs> he was away so quickly. But yeah, just one of those really odd things that you know you can we can all sit on our couches, us included. And we can look at the game and we can, can be convinced that you should or shouldn't go for it on fourth down yeah. and in certain situations when really when you don't know the outcome because it's like an NES. I mean, they go for it on fourth down and then they don't get it and everyone's screaming saying, why did you do that? Now, yeah. one of those moments came uh, late on at the game. It differed from the Seattle game in the sense that, you know, we had four minutes on the clock when we decided to do that in Seattle. Um, whereas in this game, there was two minutes left. So you're pretty much saying we kick the field goal and we're going to lose the game. Then you sort of bank on the onside kick. Yeah. Wise? Uh, yeah. Um, for, for, for me, to kick the field goal when they kicked the field goal was the right decision, and um, if, if that's the question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just simply because of the timeout situation at that point. Yeah. What they, could, what they couldn't do was run the clock beyond the two-minute warning. Because at that point you've only got one time out and you're never going to never going to stop the clock, so they had to they had to have the score prior to the prior to the two minute warning. But all, all that did for me was re-highlight the whole timeout mess, which has been a mess for a long time. And I, and it's not just this quarterback or this coach either, because because we seem to do it all the time when Mike Sherman was coaching the Packers as well. We just simply can't get out of this timeout mess. Um, and I, and I have a very simple theory, particularly in the second half of second half of games. You never call a timeout on offense unless you're driving for the for the for the winning score. S- simply on the basis of I can get those five yards back for a delay of game. I never get the timeout back. Ever. No matter what I do, I'll never get that timeout back. In this day and age, when offense is so so prevalent and I understand that we've got our difficulties on offense but in this day and age you know third and seven as opposed to third and two or you know five yards difference you know third and ten rather than third and five or whatever the situation might be isn't that much more difficult to get in this day and age never ever 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 is that enough evers yeah, I'll, I'll, those, I'll edit some more in. <laughs> Just put it on the loop for 10 those, minutes. Take those timeouts on offense because you cannot get them back. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, you know, for 
it's it is game it all it does come down to game management and it's it's not sexy and it's not great to talk about and you know some people just want us to come on here and blast Mike McCarthy and blast Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and the wide receivers and blast the defense and Mike Pettin. But really, it comes down to game management and it comes down to just boneheaded penalties to a degree as well. Uh, you know, like even on that onside kick, Williams was offside. So then they yep. get an extra five yards and you're kind of thinking, all right, the game is over then. They bring Murray in and they run him to death. But it's still kind of, you know, it's like and the amount of delay of games, uh, the amount of just, I don't know, it just seemed silly at one point. I was like, really, are we still stuck in this sort of mire of, not know our head from our arse and it's kind of like if it is the case that our play calls are terrible well then surely we know exactly what terrible call we're gonna make and there's no reason why <laughs> you know we should be wasting so much time faffing around the whole yeah deal. yeah I, I i agree you know and, and and some people will come out and say ultimately that's on the head coach mm. um and whilst i am a mccarthy defender there is a point where you have to say ultimately he's the guy he's the guy in charge um, so it's, it's, it's really difficult. It's, it's, I guess, as I've said before, I think what disappoints me about the whole timeout situation is they keep making the same mistake again and again and again. You know, it's one thing to make it once and you, and you, and you learn from it, but, but they don't appear to think it's an issue. And that's my issue. <laughs> yeah. It's the issue with the non-issue. But I, at this, at this juncture, I'm, I'm kind of, and it's going to sound odd. I'm slightly relieved that this game wasn't decided on a one play because in fairness do you know what i mean Pete? like Absolute, I mean, abs- absolutely and sorry steve I, I was just about to come to that because because you raised a really good point so 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 minnesota took took over the ball just in packers territory mm. and actually the packers defense made a good stand kenny clark came up with a sack on third down and they held them and whilst it felt at the time watching it live that there was a huge shift in momentum going back and uh, you know watching it two more times it actually doesn't feel like that no and and it feels like actually the Packers stopped that momentum when Kenny Clark came and made that sack and held and held them to the field goal and all of a sudden what could have been 21-14 was 17-14 what was a bigger I think complete shift in momentum is what happened on the Packers next drive so so there were kind of two significant things that happened. One was Bakhtiari going out, and I know he came back in, into the game later, but clearly there's, there's some issues, some, some injury issues there. But it was the punt at the end. So the Packers went uh, three and out, I think. on the Yeah, they did go three and out on their next drive. But on the punt following that drive, um, Sheryl's made a huge punt return, and there was a penalty, a pa- another Packers penalty on special special teams and legal formation on the punt, which gave them extra yardage. Yeah. And Minnesota suddenly took over at the Packers' 31-yard line. So, so, so in essence, almost the same as if the Packers had gone for it there rather than punted it away, Minnesota got it back on the 31 and scored. And that play, the punt return and the penalty, I think was the shift in momentum in the game. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so it was the so after they make the field goal, which as you said was great by Kenny Clark. Cousins made a run just before that. Martinez tackled him just short of the first down. Uh, before that, Clay gets to Cook. Uh, before that, it was an easy completion. But again, before that, Clay was looking lively and kind of disrupting stuff. But exactly that because when we got the ball back after they make the field goal. Um, it's an Aaron Jones two-yard run. Then Rodgers is pressured and just leathers the ball into the ground. And then it's third and eight, and it's delay of game. 
and then it becomes third and 13 and he gets sacked at the at the Packers 12 yard line and we're punting from our own end zone and it's exactly as you say that kind of flips the field you know we only get it to punt it to about halfway and then they start their march and then it's that Thielen touchdowns of 24-14 where you know Clay Matthews who was doing seemingly doing well on the previous um possession by the Vikes bites on the run and just looks silly then to Thielen because you know, I think the commentary at the time said, oh, look how great Cousins is. He's after sort of, you know, bringing the pressure to him when really it was Matthew's sort of assignment to make sure to contain it that nothing leaked out. Uh, Cousins does, Thielen gets the ball and literally falls, uh, you know, arse backways um, over the end zone to get that score. Definitely a momentum shift. Um, just just concerning, but I guess like we said, I'm glad that it came down to not one score because I don't know how much I could take. To be honest, stuff saying like, you know, one score down here, tied game before that. Jesus Christ, here we are. This is a Ty Montgomery fumble. What are we doing here? At least that we convincingly lost the game. So any other things to take away then, Pete, in this game before we have a really brief look at the schedule that's upcoming? Um, so so, so there's just, just, a, few, just a few things. I, I guess special teams. Do you want to talk about that now or after the, after the schedule? Um, so, let's get all the depressing stuff out of the way first. <laughs> then we come in with a bit of hope. How about that? So, so I think this is an area that, that a little bit has gone un, under the radar. I, I think we've, most of us have had a little bit of a gripe week on week about special teams, but it, but it, but it, it's not very good. And when you go back and look at um, almost every game, certainly the games the Packers have lost this season, there's been some horrendous special teams situations you know the Ty Montgomery thing yeah the five field of five kicks missed in Detroit um you know fake punts being given up blocked punts and the number of penalties on on special teams is is unbelievable um and then when you look at the, the the special teams rankings for the Packers you know 20th in gross punning, 25th in kickoff return average, 21st in punt return average, yeah. 20th in kickoff return average given up, you know, 25th in field goal percentage, um, lead the league with the most fumbled punt returns, etc., etc. It's it's another one of those areas where you know special teams is one third of the game, and when you're losing games by seven points or less, it makes a huge difference. Mm. Um, and again, ultimately, people will say it's on McCarthy. It, it, it is as, as, as the head coach. But I think, you know, special teams coach um, and all of those guys on special teams need to do a lot of looking at themselves, I think. Yeah. And if I might just jump in there, I mean, what really struck me about special teams was is accountability. Like we've made mistakes and we seem to be making people accountable to a degree where, you know, Ty Montgomery left, he was out the door. Um, and then people will go, well, why didn't they let go of Mason Crosby? I fully stand by Mason Crosby and want them to be Absolutely. kept. But one thing that was shocking to me was is that when the Ty Montgomery thing went down, more telling than the fact that Ty Montgomery was coming out and saying, you know, pretty poisonous stuff uh, for a locker room. Not saying the guy is poisonous, but he said some stuff that I think left no option for him to come back in. Yep. And that's why he was effectively yep. given away. Um, which again, and we could talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast, just about how it seems like the Packers are desperately trying to, I don't know, it's like, I don't want to say sink and ship, but it's kind of like they're trying to put out fires by throwing a bucket of water over it, you know, because it's kind of like, don't let any of that sort of toxicity 
word of the podcast, uh, come into the locker room and they're trying to guard that. That's why we see how Clinton Dix go. Obviously, due to his poor play as well, because we've seen how poor he is um, now for the for Washington as well. But Ron Zuck, they asked him, like, did you say that to Ty or you know what did you say to him? And his his and I'm paraphrasing massively here. But his response was basically that nothing was really said to him and he knew he messed up, but, you know, on to the next one. And it kind of struck me as, and I, I think it was that one anyway, I don't think it was another one, but it, it was, the the feeling I got was it, it was that deer in headlights from Ron Zuck. Now, he could have well have meant, uh, I'm not going to discuss it with you, I'm going to leave that to the player, but that's not the vibe I got off or for whatever that's worth. It seemed more of that, you know, he wasn't going to, you know, go to the guy and chew him out of it. It's kind of like, yeah, well, it is what it is. And I think that maybe you need someone in there who has a stronger head. But again, I could be completely off base. I'm not behind the scenes, but that's just the vibe I got. Yeah. And 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 that's kind of kind of where my head where my head is, too. Uh, You know, exactly the same. I don't see the ins and outs. I don't know what the daily situation is. But but taking a, a step back from that, you can look at the numbers and ultimately, um, you know, this is a four six and one four six and one team with 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 a special teams that doesn't rank above twentieth and nearly all of the all of the major statistical categories. Mm. You know, at some point, you know, something something has has to be done there. Again, you know, there may be an argument that says there's a bunch of young players on there. We've had a lot of roster turnover both in the you know both in you know this summer in the training camp and since the season started with injuries and uh, and what have you you got a you got a rookie punter you got a rookie um uh long snapper etc etc you know maybe that gets better in time mm. you know that's not to say that there's only one solution to that problem because i don't because because i never believe that but um it's certainly something that needs to be dealt with yeah, and I I think I got uh, smushed on social media when I said earlier in the year that this was a team in development. Uh, but it was a strange one because we always seem to be brought close to the dance all the time and then sort of get dumped <laughs> out. I think that we were, to a degree in prior years, somewhat of a pretender that we kind of limped into the playoffs only to get slapped the minute we got in. Um, So I think that's what I see happening here. But there are some parts of this team that are coming out and certainly some parts that highlighted to me because Aaron Rodgers came out, didn't he, and said that we need to score more if your defense holds them to 24 points. Well, then we should be doing better. I don't know if I uh, wholeheartedly agree to that. I think there was absolutely shocking deficiencies on defense. And an awful lot of these, uh, from certainly from my analysis when I was writing it all down, you know, every every sort of big play for missed tackles obviously falls on an awful lot of players because there was like some absolutely comical stuff um, from the Packers defense where, you know, there was Dalvin Cook had run by three lads, especially for his touchdown. He literally ran from, I think it was a 30 yard line. He got a pass dumped off to him really an end around or whatever he did. Um, and he ran for 30 yards past the entire field. It was like a, a flag game uh, for yeah. us. But when I look at the likes of Ibrahim Campbell uh, did really well. Uh, Jair Alexander did fantastic I think especially when he played basically Skittles or bowling with uh, Adam Thielen and, and Stefan Diggs that was I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of surprised that wasn't the first thing that we discussed <laughs> I know and just that and just say right we're going to start and end on a positive that was just and that was deliberate uh, there was another time that he tackled Kirk Cousins and he didn't use his arms at all uh, that was the, the stop that he made I believe uh, Kirk Cousins went on a run to try to pick up the first down and again it was a risky one he didn't wrap up but the, tech, the tackle he made was just absolutely technical technically perfect and down Kirk Cousins there was going to be no sort of fault of 
you know, a penalty. Um, Ibrahim Campbell just really impressed me. Josh Jones was the number one person who was at fault um, for an awful lot of stuff that happened out there. I don't see a stat. I couldn't find it before the pod about the amount of missed tackles that there were, if, if, if even people are documenting these things. But certainly for him, um, just an absolute shocker in that game where, you know, there was some really important stuff where he could have put someone down for a loss or he could, you know, it ended up on a three-yard run. All of a sudden, you know, they're just breaking off massive runs and he got absolutely embarrassed uh, the majority of the time. But I guess that's my two cents on on defence, Pete, um, is that, you know, there was some shining stars there, but definitely some gaping holes. Yeah, so so I think that, I think this, you know, clearly this is a team now that's struggling with injuries all over the, all over the defence. Um, mm. um, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't, when you've drafted as badly as the Packers have, even though it's been on defence for the last, for the last few years, you know, and, and you, you, know, you only have to look at the often quoted 2015 draft and see that nobody from that draft still on the team. Yeah. Um, when you're in that situation, I think that you may get away with your starters, but as soon as you get to the backups, you've got no depth. And, you know, Josh Jones is a great example. You know, he's he is what he is. He's a one-dimensional, in-the-box, strong safety type of player, right? And if he doesn't make the tackles in that position, then he gives you nothing. Now, I don't want to get too get too down on him, but I've never seen him as the kind of saviour of that of that defence. Of some people, as some people have, you know, wait till we get Josh Jones back; he can play safety, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's better than Jermaine Whitehead, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Josh Jones is a one-dimensional, in-the-box, almost traditional strong safety type. Um, you know, and you look at, you know. The, the corners have done well, Alexander. Josh Jackson, yeah. but but he's a rookie. Mm. And there's a reason he dropped to the second round in the draft, which is mainly because he played one year or started one year at Iowa. right? So this is a guy that over the last four years has started 13 games. right? So he is what... He is what he is. And that's not to say that next year he won't be better and he won't be better the year after that. I still hold out hopes for for Josh Jackson but I th- but I think ultimately they're beginning to just get beaten up by by injuries and that may be part of what we alluded to or talked about earlier with the second half of Packer games seeming to get the Packers struggle as the games go on we talked about Rodgers in that respect but also I think there's just you know when you when you lack the depth then you know, as guys start to go out and you're, you're calling on your second and third and even fourth string guys, well, there's a reason they're second, third and fourth string guys, mm. you know, and it's not a criticism of them as individuals. They are what they are, you know. Um, so I think that I think there's some great talent on the defense, but there's still some some work to do. We don't we don't have the depth. Yeah. And again, like I like to preface all the comments, too, with when we often when people analyze teams it's forgotten the fact that we're playing other people who get paid to play the game too so so there we go yeah. you know and, and if you look at the likes of and usually we've been quite good at not giving up the big plays but we're up against adam thielen stefan diggs uh dalvin cook who you know couldn't get it going but 
uh, did pretty well in this game. You know, three receptions for 47 yards with a long at 26, for example. Um, you know, and he was only targeted three times. So that's a 100% catch rate from him. Um, Adam Thielen, 125 yards long at 33. Stefan Diggs, 77 yards with a long of 30. Kyle Rudolph, along at 17. You know, these, these are some big chunk yards that they're getting here. Um, and some of it's busted coverage, some of it's desperation stuff. There was certainly a couple of throws. There was one Alexander was just plastered on him. Um, and I think it was it was one of them, Stefan Diggs or, or Adam Thielen, that came down with the ball. So sometimes the coverage is fantastic, but there's absolutely nothing you can do when you have, yeah. let me say, an Aaron Rodgers style throw. Uh, not as of late, let's, you know, before the before the reason injuries. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's that there's nothing you can do really, Pete, is there when someone just makes an absolute fantastic football no, play? No, and 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 you, and you sum it up best, you know, the other guys get paid too. And I think and I think I think we're all the same as fans. We concentrate on our team. Yeah. You know, we might spend, I don't know, 90% of the week on our team and maybe 10% on other teams or or who we're going to play next. And, you know, taking a step back and you just look at, you know, we mentioned the receiving core of some of the other teams that, you know, you know Minnesota's got a fantastic receiving core. It is, you know, and that's, it is what it is, you know. And, you know, we like to think we either get either too high on our, on our team or too low on our team, you know, and yeah. it's somewhere it's it, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, when we play Atlanta in a couple of weeks' time, you know, that's one of the top receiving trios in the league. You know, Jones, Sanu, Ridley. You know, it is what it is. So, so, so if Matt Ryan comes out and throws for three hundred and twenty-five yards, which is about par for the course this season in in the NFL, actually, you know what? That doesn't mean that those that our defensive backs have had a bad game. Or the or the pass rush has been really bad. It kind of is what it is. You can't double cover all of those guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And I thought Alexander had an absolutely brilliant yeah. game uh, yeah. against the Vikes. And of course, some stuff breaks down, but by and large, I think um, I'm really impressed by what I see. But look, we, we'll try park the negativity there. Let's try end on some hopeful stuff. And the first thing that I'd like to say, and this is for all those autograph hunters out there, uh, Will Blackman put out a tweet to say. Uh, when I was on the Packers in 2008, we lost four straight road games. And every time we lost, Coach McCarthy made sure each hotel got worse. He said, if you want to stay in a nice hotel, win a damn game. And he said one hotel in Jacksonville, he swore, was on the first 48. So I'd just like to announce that we know the hotel that the Packers are going to stay in uh, in that game against the Cardinals. Not the usual one that they stay in in Green Bay. It's actually Faulty Towers. So if you're looking for uh, autographs, make sure you pop along to Basil Faulty because that's exactly uh, where they're going to be. Okay. Um, so, Peter, I think what we'll do is, is let's look at the schedule now. So we've got the easiest strength uh, schedule. And that's not to be confused with the fact that these are all gimme games. Some of them like would be sort of tempting to be that way. Cardinals, they're, uh, you know, the worst team. If, if anyone reads uh, Peter's power rankings and Peter, you you would know in depth more so about all these teams. And I'd love to hear your rundown. But from um from me, the sort of a quick intro, Cardinals, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NFL. They're really down there competing with the likes of the Giants um, and the Raiders. Uh, the Falcons, I believe, are a seriously dangerous team. And they're, they, you know, they go through this sort of malfunction seemingly every two to three years where they just can't get stuff clicking but they still have all the parts there to be that team that could potentially reach the Super Bowl every year but sometimes it all falls down and in fact if you want to talk about the Packers missing out on only a couple of points per game uh, to end up losing that game on one player or the other uh, the Falcons had one of their worst records before they went on that sort of uh, you know ridiculous run 
um, and that the prior season they were missing out on one point and a field goal and four points and it was ridiculous uh, the Bears like you said in the intro one of the toughest they're, they're leading the division for God's sake so they should be tough and it's at their stadium um, and then we have to go to the Jets at Christmas as well who've had the now again from covering these guys on Irish radio I'd always bet against them then they come up and, and, and get a win you know what I mean so it, it's sort of they're not as easy as people think they are they're a 3-8 team they are terrible but at the same time sometimes they can do stuff well and then the Lions again the Lions are massively underachieving um, but at the same time any type of divisional game you can't really write it off these teams know each other inside out so they always trade blows so um, Peter how do you see this going now you did say 4 out of 5 but you know is there any sort of is there any more guidance and more comfort you can give us on why we're going to win or why we're going to so, lose? So, so, so I think I saw the 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 the, the early line on the on the Packers Cardinals game is the Packers are thirteen and a half point favourites, I believe, Jesus. and I believe that's that's the biggest spread this 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 weekend. And and I and I think on paper that's abs- that's absolutely that's absolutely right. And it, you know, as as you mentioned, I I kind of have three teams that are almost in the well, not almost, they are in the bottom tier almost competing for the number one draft pick which are the <laughs> the Raiders the 49ers and the and the Cardinals yeah and you know the Cardinals they jumped out to a to a 10 nothing lead early against the Chargers um what day is it today Monday yesterday <laughs> <laughs> lost track of the of the days. but 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 from that point onwards you know they 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 just completely capitulated and and to be fair that's been kind of the story of their of their season um rookie quarterback josh rosen not playing great but he's a but he's a rookie quarterback you know and um david johnson i guess is their running back i guess is is their main offensive weapon but only in spurts as 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 he um managed to contribute uh very much very much this season so it it's difficult to look at that that Cardinals team that had less than 150 yards of offense yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday wasn't an exception, you know, that that's, that's pretty much the way the Cardinals have been for a lot, for a lot of the season. It's very difficult to look at that Cardinals team and, and imagine how they could beat the Packers. Yeah, I mean, 32nd in rushing, 32nd in passing, 32nd in offense. You know what I mean? Their defense is top 20, if you want to call that a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you just look at the roster and you think, you just don't, you, you just don't see a way. Of course, there's any given Sunday and, and, and all of that. And, you know, if the Packers were to go down to the Cardinals, then we, we, we truly do understand what we have, you know, in the 2018 Packers. But, but they, they won't <laughs> lose, they won't lose to the Cardinals. Yeah. There you go. I guarantee it. And then the Jets it's, would be sort of seen. Jones. Yeah, and well, we're going to hold you to that now and everyone's going to lose their mortgage uh, by betting 200 grand on this game. Um, but the Jets then, they would be sort of deemed, again, similar issues, right, where they had sort of a rookie uh, quarterback. They've had struggles there by, you know, popping people in and out. I believe McCown, um, is that is that right, is playing yeah, for just, yeah, them now? Yeah, so, so Donald's hurt right now. He may well be back for for the Packers game, but I don't think, I don't think it ought to matter who's playing quarterback for the, for the Jets. They could put Joe Namath back there and they still wouldn't beat the Packers. In tights. And he still wouldn't <laughs> beat the Packers. So I guess the, the biggest task really that I see would be the likes of the Falcons and obviously the Bears. Um, but again, I guess we don't like, we'd like to say that, but we really don't know what we're coming up against. 
uh, with injuries and all the rest. And I yeah. really, we can't look at the Packers schedule without looking at the other schedules of people, you know, within the NFC North. And when we look at the likes of the Bears, they still have to face the Rams um, and the Vikings, uh, who could draw blood there as well, depending. Um, the Niners, which we obviously don't expect an awful lot from. And then the New York Giants, who they have next, are kind of a, a bogey team in a sense that Barkley's playing absolutely out of his skin. Absolutely fantastic rookie season. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has been kind of anonymous. I know that as such because I have him on my goddamn fantasy team. <laughs> um, so he's not doing a whole lot, but that's because I have him on my goddamn fantasy team. So, you know, again, another player that can sort of uh, rip it up when he needs to. So, um, yeah, it's, look, it's all to play for really, isn't it still? It, yeah, it, 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 it really is. You know, you, you kind of, I kind of get the feeling that the Packers are half a game short. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is all to play for. You know, the, the Giants should have beaten the Eagles yesterday. Um, yeah. They will run the Bears. They will run the Bears close. They need to, they need to give Barkley the more, the ball more than they did in the second half yesterday. Um, but they will give the Bears a very good game. The Bears still have to play the Vikings, the Vikings still have to play New England, I believe, and Seattle. There's there's still a lot to play for if if the if the Packers can, you know, get to let's get through the next get through this week, get through the next week, because the, the Falcons is one of those games that they could trip over. Yeah. You should beat them, but it's one of those that you know, there's not huge amounts between the teams and you could trip over the Falcons. But I think if they get past the Falcons, I think we see where we are with, you know, with three games to play. They may well still be in with a chance. Um, I saw something, one of these playoff calculator things. Um, I think it was from the New York Times. It was definitely a New York paper. Um, and... It worked out that if the Packers were to run the table, win their last five games, they would qualify for the playoffs in 85% of scenarios wow. of the games left to play. So, so, so you have to, at this stage, say they're still in it. Somehow, Jeez. they're still in it. But that's, it, it has been a pretty weird season. And all the teams have been pretty poor and no one's really run away with it. Like... You know, in prior years, now we have to look back a good couple of years. I remember looking at the Packers going, happy days, once we get to 10, we can start pulling starters and putting people in and getting experimental. When really, we haven't seen that in Green Bay for a while. But one thing I want to address before, um, I guess we, we wrap this up, Pete, is to, is to look at where we're at as a fan base. I think, to me, I hate going on Twitter now and just seeing all the vitriol on Facebook is the same. Everyone's whining and moaning and cribbing and giving out. And I'm not saying they're not issues. They're obviously massive issues and it's issues across the board on defense, with our injuries, with our coaching. Um, you know, it's really thrown our front office in the spotlight as to, you know, how we can, if there was meant to be a change at general manager, why wasn't it done earlier? Um, you know, to try shore up some of this sort of I don't know. I I leave it there. You know, like it's sort of it's thrown over everything. Aaron Rodgers, who was seemingly invincible before, um, now is not only getting injured physically, but also his play has dipped. Where he should be making better throws. Special teams can be trash at times. So you know, there's an awful lot to complain about. However, I would say is that, like, where is the moderation? Where is the the you know. If, if this was a hot sauce, I mean, where's the medium flavor? You know, where's the kind of like middle of the road sort of well, thing? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's important that we remember that we're, we're all, 
I'm getting a bit lovey-dovey now, but we're all we're all joined by this one, you know, one defining thing that we have, and that's our love of the Green Bay Packers, and you know, and we love the Packers for who they are, for their history, et cetera, et cetera, for everything that they are, the, the small town team, and all and all and all of that stuff, and good times and bad times, both will both will pass, you know, and you know, as 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 you guys tweeted out earlier um what on earth would twitter have been like in the 1980s when we were looking at at at, at those teams and I, I i kind of posted a couple of um kind of 1980s twitter tweets which <laughs> could almost if you replace the names be 2018 yeah twitter tweets um but you know um we you know i, I think we just joined together by this by this um love of the love of the Packers and um it's important you know I think like all things we try and just just keep it in in perspective and um yeah we want to we want to have fantastic debates and we don't all agree and that's and that's and that's absolutely that's absolutely fine but we're well we're Packers fans and 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 I'll go a step further there's a reason why we're fans and those guys out there are players coaches general managers and and everything else yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> there's exactly, a reason yeah. there's a reason for that and there's a reason that they're not doing my job as well <laughs> you know so <laughs> well that's it and i mean not to be flippant and I, i'm never one to tell anybody how to feel i can only sort of prevent you know present facts or whatever that i feel in my own opinion but we all have different opinions like you said it's not saying that anyone can't complain you can't moan you can't give out about this but jesus christ when it comes to this whole you know bashing people's family or telling people to f off and all this kind of stuff you know people need to really calm down at the end of the day it's a game of football if this is the most important thing in your life and dear jesus it's pretty important in mine and i do it an awful lot of the time as do you pete you know i mean if, if it's that important in your life you know don't let it ruin it for god's sake don't you know spend your time sort of wallowing in the scudder of just vitriol and hate as you just highlighted which i did not know if 85 percent of those if we if we win out and um, you know we make the playoffs and happy days but at the end of the day lads it's just football for christ's sake you know not everyone like you know sit around the campfire singing kumbaya but you know we can have the debates and all that but there's some really sick stuff going on actually the worst place to be and i usually always mute them unless i want a good giggle and also to lose faith in humanity pete is to go on to the the press conference for mike mccarthy and just read the stuff that's that's below this and what people are saying it's just jesus you 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 wouldn't want to be mike mccarthy or his family reading would you no no and i I guess one one thing that 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 I think tries to help the perspective and, and, and it's, it, this is quite a good one. I think is to go and look at the tweets for other teams. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you could easily transpose most of them from one team to another. Yeah. You, you know, and, and, and it's quite, you know, even, even the tweets of, of, of the Vikings fans. So I, so I looked at some of those last night and, you know, the number of fire Zimmer tweets, you know, and, and, and all of that, and all of that stuff. And, and it's like, actually, I'm not sure that any fans are happy with their teams unless they're the saints or the Rams or the chiefs these days, yeah. you know? So, um, that's it. It's the Russian bots again, Pete, trying to swing <laughs> the coaches in the NFL now and replace them with Vladimir Putin approved uh, coaches. That's all it is. I mean, that's all it is. It's the algorithm again. Look, um, I guess we'll we'll maybe park it there. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great podcast, as usual, Pete, uh, to have you on. It's it's some really good insights, some really in-depth stuff. And what I would say to people is, is that if you're getting into the groups on Facebook or Twitter, absolutely have differing opinions. Uh, but when it comes to telling people 
uh, to f off or this and their family and all the rest and calling people fair weather fans maybe leave it out um, because it's not a nice place to be let's see rally behind it let's have a bit of fun we're on the roller coaster um you know we're on that runaway train and speed or whatever type of thing that you want to do heading towards probably disaster but let's just enjoy the goddamn thing anyway have a bit of popcorn and commend the driver for driving so fast with no brakes and not crashing earlier rather than later so look from his... and, and steve just before you go i've got lots of i've got lots of red cochran ron kramer dan curry loads of stories written down here oh. so so maybe we'll save those for another time I tell you what, when the season is definitely lost and it's junk time, <laughs> what we'll do is, is come on with two weeks left and just discuss all those stories. But definitely we will. And it's a long off season, as we know. And I just, I hate the fact that we have the regular season, especially if we don't make the playoffs. And of course, I'm secretly hopeful. And I know we like to get our analyst hat on, but at the end of the day, when it starts to get to this period in the season, it always happens. And it's happened for the last number of years, especially, where I'll get on and say, come on, let's get behind the team and let's crack on. And there's always some dude who gets on and says, oh, Jesus Christ, uh, that's not very likely. And I'm like, just shut up don't tell me how to feel i'm gonna feel excited i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna enjoy the games for christ's so, sake so, so, some so, somebody 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 once said that, that that following the packers it's like our favorite tv program where we get 16 episodes a year and sometimes we're really lucky we get bonus episodes at the end of <laughs> at the end of the year but more often than not the year the the the, the year or season ends on some cliffhanger after that 16th episode yeah that we don't know what's going to happen until the summer I know, and, and the draft and all of the stuff where they get Andy on and, and you on and all the rest, and it's going to be great stuff. Um, but yeah, as you said, anything over uh, 16 is an absolute bonus, and we cannot crib and moan. We look like the abs- We look like the spoiled rich kid because we've had such fantastic football since the early 90s onwards, is that if we were to go and crib and moan now, I mean, you know, we could be wallowing around. And I know I put out the tweet that said, imagine it was social media in the 80s, and I'm not overlooking the fact that uh, it was pretty crap uh, in the 50s. Uh, the 40s weren't all that great. When you look to that again and start hitting the 70s, it was awful. And the early 90s was pretty grim as well. So I do understand that it's been grim for more than the 80s, but it's just an example. And that's the thing, and that's the worrying part, is that enjoy it while it's good and enjoy it while we're like three points away and we can go, oh, drat, I can't believe we lost that game by a field goal, blah, 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 because we were losing by an awful lot more in previous times. And if you look at the good periods, Curly Lambeau, that started to go downhill. Vince Lombardi did well. He, you know, he was there for, you know, the, the best part of the 60s. And then apart from the 90s, when you're looking at the likes of Holmgren and, and all the rest and everyone kind of knows the story from then on I mean you know it's been pretty grim in Packerland so before we delve down into the depths of despair for another 20 years and we give this to our kids and punish our kids with it <laughs> until they're 40 sitting there going finally we're winning again I think we all need to relax we all just need to relax absolutely so anyway from myself at CD the NFL from IT Hedgehog and if we're going to do some of the housekeeping make sure you get on it's coming up close to the Crimbo get the 1919 shop uh, items ordered they're the autograph merch they're the cheapest that you find in the UK and they don't uh, incur any taxes we paid all of that already to have them in the shop um, and we'd be delighted to get them to you so if you're going to order any of that for any relatives or anything like that for Crimbo make sure you get the orders in uh, nice and early and it's the same for any sort of UK Packers merchandise and all that kind of stuff um, I mentioned that earlier I don't have the you know the pan out looking for coins but um, if anyone wants to support us on Patreon patreon.com forward slash UK Packers please do if you donate a five or a month we'll give that money back to you after six months effectively uh, with a t-shirt with free shipping um, and then if you choose to continue supporting us after that well then we thank you but look I leave it there um, from myself at CD NFL from IT Hedgehog make sure you keep it tuned to ukpackers.co.uk for all of Peter's fantastic articles and hopefully be on the podcast really really soon um, it's goodbye for this week goodbye <laughs>